Hi everyone, this is this is Gregory, and um, I wanted to take this time to talk to you individually. And that is because owning a luxury home, no matter where it is in the 50 U.S. states, um, is an ultimate dream of most people. And because I am a luxury realtor and I host this show, I feel an obligation to help those who would like to move to the next level, whether it's mid-luxury or it's to ultimate luxury. Surprisingly, the characteristics of spending habits and planning are absolutely the same. Now, it's true they're exponentially different because of the amount of money that's generated by each plan, but the basic structure is the same. And so if you haven't reached a point where you can move into ultimate luxury, then I'd like to help you to meet um, the opportunity for luxury as well as the opportunity to move to mid-luxury, if that's where you are. And if it's ultimate luxury, you can look at the principles of where you are right now and you can make application and certainly benefit yourself with your portfolio. So the question is mindset and wealth. Is there a possibility to think your way to wealth? Now, I'm not talking to individuals who have no idea of what it means to have means. So this is for those who are brand new or those who are moving from first level to mid-luxury. Can you really think yourself to being rich? Well, I'm here to tell you that it's not only possible but that it is also actually the best chance you have to making a lot of money. There are many people who dream of living in a large, luxurious house in a sunny country, and they may imagine wearing smart suits that exude power and confidence. And they wish that they didn't have to make so much money and hard choices because their funds don't meet or support the lifestyles that they really want to lead. Now, if that sounds familiar and that's you, then you need to make a change. As with all things, that change starts with you and your mindset. And if you want to be wealthy, then what are you doing about it? And is there any chance that you may, in fact, be going about it the wrong way? Now, independence, strong mindset, strong will, that's all a part of being wealthy and successful by means of the society's definition of success. But are you going about it the wrong way? If you ask the average person in the street what they would hypothetically need to do in order to become richer, and 99% of them will tell you the same thing. They'll say, get a better job. Okay, fair enough. They're not wrong per se, Getting a better job, yes, generates more money, but there's only 24 hours in a day, right? So you can only generate so much money. And ultimate wealth does not come from a 24-hour or a 40-hour-a-week job. It just doesn't. There's going to have to be more in asset allocation, investments, and leverage in order to make that money grow to meet wealth. Indeed, Getting a better job won't hurt their income, and that in turn will likely mean that they will make more means, at least a little more, 
over the next year or two or whatever span it is that they keep that job. But in fact, this is not the whole story. And what's more is that this isn't even the main part of the story. Wealth and salary are not intrinsically linked. They are related, sure, but only to a small degree. If you wanted to see an equation telling you how to get wealthy, then it would look something like this. Income minus outgoings equals wealth. So let's say that your income is determined solely by the amount of money that you're making at work. Even in that scenario, you still have another equally as important factor. That is your outgoings. If you're earning a cool million dollars a month, but you also waste a million dollars a month on lavish um, uh, purchases and nights out and vacations, then you're ultimately not going to be very well off. In fact, you're likely going to lose money over time because there's no structure and there's no plan. But if you're earning uh, a more than normal $2,500 a month, but you only spend $500 a month, then suddenly you're saving $2,000 a month. So in 12 months, you have $2,400 saved away. Now that's a decent down payment on a house. So you now have two options. And let's back up just a minute. Because we're, there are individuals that are a part of our podcast, that are a part of our audience, um, that are $5,000, $9,000, $12,000, $15,000 and more a month. So if you're saving uh, $3,000, $6,000, uh, $7,500 a month, then suddenly in 12 months, your saved away amount is much greater. Okay, so we just want to keep things in perspective. So you now have two options. You have two ways to increase your net worth. One is that you seek to get a better job and increase your income. And the other is that you save money and you spend less. Now, this really, this the rest of this conversation will delve into marketing and advertising because that's a very big part of what we experience in life from the time we're a child and all the way through our adult years. The system is based on marketing and advertising. And if you don't know what funnels are and you don't know what uh, marketing and advertising is really set up to do, then in reality, to this particular day, you may still be walking blind to the fact that people are telling you exactly what to do with your money and how it's supposed to make you feel rather than you making that decision yourself. And, it, and that's not based on how much money you make. That's not based on your income level. That's based on awareness. So if you're not aware and you are a CEO of a major corporation and you're bringing in millions of dollars, then in reality, you could be bleeding. You could be bleeding thousands of dollars and not realize it because you're not aware of the reality of marketing and advertising. So this really has nothing to do with what income level we're at. If we're going to increase our net worth and our base um, value, then it has to do with us understanding what's out there and how we respond and what we do proactively. So when I was growing up, my summer job was working at a 
um, a resort in Berkeley, California. It was called the, um, what was the name of that? The Claremont Resort. The Claremont Resort was um, a really uh, high-end resort. Uh, it was a tennis club, basically, with hotel and sitting on about two and a half to three acres of land. And anything that you wanted, you could do there. Five-star restaurant, Ava Gabor and others came through that restaurant. Many stars from Los Angeles and just a wonderful place. Specifically, I was a waiter in that restaurant. It was called the Pavilion Room. And there was, um, and that was actually paid for and owned uh, by the hotel. And it was, like I said, located in Berkeley, California. And it was sometimes referred to as the Millionaire's Row because it was among the most expensive real estate in the Bay Area along with the seafront property, as well as down in the Santa Clara Valley and the uh, tech world down there. So these were people who would own yachts and who belonged to clubs and they were situated in one of the wealthiest parts of the world. Suffice to say that they were not struggling for cash. And of course, what many people would point out to me is that this should likely result in pretty big tips. Excerpts. That's not what happened. In fact, I, I received some of the most moderate tips that I have in any job that I took while I was going to school. And I had a lady call me over and secretively give me a um, $5 tip uh, for my hard work. And she literally told me to buy myself something nice. And... You know what? It seems sincere and that's okay because she was giving it from the heart and that fit her structure. And this is bearing in mind that it is a standard practice in Berkeley to tip 15%. The mills usually cost close to $150 to $200 if you're going to sit down in the pavilion room and have a four course meal with dessert and wine. So I told my wife uh, about her response, and she um, quickly responded to me, well, how do you think they got rich, dear? So I'm not here to tell you that you should become stingy with tips. That's not what I'm, I'm here to say. And this is not for individuals, like I said, that are on top tier, from mid-level to ultra-rich, because, you know, Today, things are very different. People tip because of status. People tip because they know that um, a waiter is moving up and doing their best. Um, most of the time, they're going to school and they don't have that uh, solid income. So they're tipping to help. There's, there's a lot of different um, ideas behind what the amount of a tip, right? But what I am telling you is that the wealthiest people recognize that every little bit adds up and makes a big difference in the long run. Your aim now is to not um, be frivolous with your money. That $3 coffee that you have every morning on the way to work is actually $15 over the course of a week and $60 over the course of a month and $720 over the course of a year. 
So that is a tiny amount, and that's before we even considered all those other things you likely paid for that you don't really need. Maybe your Spotify account, your Netflix, movies, a hundred and plus TV channels with whatever internet provider that you buy your TV from, gas for the car, and all those trips you don't really need to make. It all adds up. Worse are all those larger purchases that you may make on impulse. Now, these are things like clothes. We don't think will make us look, um, actually, we think will make us look smart. Game consoles, PCs, overly advanced phones, uh, upgrading our phones every six months, every year. Um, how much did your phone cost you? Did you think about that? Most phones right now cost somewhere in the $1,000 range and up, at least eight to 900 and up. So if you're on a contract, then chances are you'll be paying $700 or more for it. Now ask yourself, how much more that phone really does than something for $300 if you were to buy that phone. But could you, <laughs> could you exist in front of your friends and not be embarrassed if you have the $300 phone and they're boasting the latest phone that just came out, the Google phone or, or Samsung phone or whatever? So why are you doing the things that you do if you really want to move into the luxury market? Do you really need the fastest processor around? Considering even an old phone can play everything in the app store. So you do you really need a 30 megapixel camera or a 4K screen? Now, do you do that because you the uh, resolution of the screen just drives you bonkers? Or do you do that because you feel like you've got to have the best and you deserve the best because marketing and advertising has told you that you deserve the best? So buy the best. Can you even see the difference between 4K and 1080p? Now, previously, yes. But now, mm, probably not. The real problem here is marketing, the Internet and other people. We have unfortunately been conditioned to associate these items with success and to find them highly desirable. We want to get the latest phone, the latest car, the latest computer, etc. because it looks so sexy in those advertisements. But the reality is that these things don't really bring us happiness. These things don't really propel us towards our goal of what we want in order to move in to the housing market or to move up to the next mid-level or to move into ultra luxury. Likewise, we're told that we need to buy a large house and to go on these lavish vacations. Is this really for us? Or is it so that we can look successful to others? You know, to be honest, it's not always about the exterior um, display of our wealth. Sometimes what we don't realize is that we're fighting some demon within us from our past, whether it's our childhood or some situation that took place during our, adult, our young adulthood. And we're trying to prove to ourselves what our worth is or what our value is. Now, I'm not telling you to cut back on all the things that make you happy here. 
There's no point in having wealth if you aren't going to enjoy it and have a better quality of life for you and your family. All I'm saying is, is you need to make sure that you are certain of what it is that does make you happy. And that often means deciding what you don't need and what you should be prioritizing. Have you always dreamed of a beautiful big house? Then why not stop going on those big vacations for a while? Why not stop buying widescreen TVs? And how about considering getting the big beautiful house in a less expensive area? Or you might buy that perfect house that could be your dream home, but pay a little less for it, not quite in the condition that you want it to be. Heck, if you move to Spain right now, there are places where you can live in a five-bedroom home with swimming pool and a roof pool, and it will only cost you $200,000. You could almost buy that in cash if you think about how much money you would start making then once there was no mortgage. But the question is, do you have the fortitude and the courage to uproot and move to Spain? You can have it but are you willing to pay the cost for it? Conversely, if, you, if all you want is to travel the world, then you can change your accommodation to something less um, glamorous. How about moving to uh, a quiet neighborhood and living in a spare bedroom for a while? Now, of course, this is for you millennials. Uh, those of us that are 35, uh, between 35 and 60, this you know, uh, I would say that this is no longer an alternative decision, right? Because we've made uh, our lifestyles, we're pretty comfortable where we are, um, we've got stakes in the ground, and we've decided who we are and where, what we want to do and where we're going to go. But for a millennial, for someone younger, this is a viable option. Your outgoings will be low, so you can enjoy going on more vacations and still save up that wealth. Know what you want to achieve with that money. Know what wealth means to you, and then you can focus on being more efficient with your money. This will also help you to set up a budget and or a plan. If you know how, uh, if you know how much you have coming in and how much you would like to be making per month, saving per month, and spending on things that make you feel wealthy per month, then you can create a budget that will help you to reach that point within a specific time frame. This then is where you can look at uh, those small things that you cut out to save money. And if you have a spreadsheet and everyone uh, out there right now listening, um, now, those of you who are on the next level, I'm not trying to be condescending at all. But what I really want to do is help those who really want to move up and really want to own luxury properties. I'm a realtor. I'll sell you whatever you want. But at the same time, I run into people all the time who want to be in the luxury market. They want to have that swimming pool in the backyard with a barbecue area with enough room to have family and friends over to entertain, and at the same time, they want to feel like they've accomplished something. And for those folks, for you folks, that's what this information is for. You should have a spreadsheet that contains all your income and all your outgoings per month. It's called a budget. 
But for some reason, if we label it as a budget, then someone always seems to think that it's not necessary. But a budget is basically planning. And if you want to get to the to the next level in any aspect in life, you're going to need to plan. And if you don't have a plan, then it's well known and documented that you're planning to fail. So if you get this spreadsheet and you put a budget together, then you, you can look at what kind of impact cutting coffee from your routine would actually make. You'll be left with a total profit at the end of each month, and you can decide how much of that you want to put into savings and how you intend to spend on other things. Real estate, for example. You can even set up standing orders in your account so that your money is saved automatically and gets transferred to a savings account. Now, with such a spreadsheet, you can then multiply the savings you're making by any given number of months and see projections of what your finances are likely to be at certain points in the future. Now, this is where planning really exponentiates your growth when it comes to wealth and it comes to investment. Need more money for an upcoming expense? Then look at something else you can do to cut your expenditures. This is called financial modeling. And it's a powerful tool for building your wealth rather than just letting it happen without your direction or input. The worst thing you can do is not plan your wealth. Here are a couple more ways to save money. What if you have run out of things that you can cut in order to save? What if you're living on as little as possible? What if you're just getting started? What if this is your first luxury home? A few other options include changing your providers for bills, selling off old items. Let me back up to changing your providers for bills. This is major today. If you look at the basic um, bundle today of TV, internet, and phone, there were just new tariffs published in January of 2020. Some of the providers here in Las Vegas, if you are one that is uh, of means, then you could no doubt be paying somewhere between $250 and $300 a month. And if you're not careful, you may be paying $300 to $400 a month for TV, internet, and phone. Now, in reality, that's ludicrous. Especially if you're trying to move into uh, a new market. Especially if you're trying to do something different. Changing your providers for bills can save you thousands of dollars per year. Right now, if you were to use a Roku device or a streaming device and you just set up the basic plan in Internet, and here's another thing you may not be aware of. When it comes to Internet, um, the speeds between um, uh, 50 gigabyte and um, 1 gigabyte are almost identical when it comes to the actual speeds. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but that's the reality. If you want to be able to surf the Internet, grab information off of your computer in a normal fashion, then you do not need a one gigabyte 
um, panoramic modem in order to do that. You can get a very basic 150 gigabyte, 300 um, megabyte um, uh, plan, and it would be more than enough to take care of your needs on the Internet. And that's going to cut that bill by 75%. And then with a Roku or streaming device, you're going to cut that TV down to uh, 20% or less. So I, I just mentioned that because it's the reality. Selling off old items or even moving money between accounts in order to receive bonuses. Now, there is this thing that you can do with credit cards. If you have the time to actually look at the APRs and the zero payment over 12 or 24 months and you want to move that money around, there are programs out there that you can download on Audible. There are books out there that you can download on Audible that will tell you exactly how to do that. So you maximize your money and you minimize the interest on your money. A friend of mine does this religiously and will even take out credit cards with 0% APR for uh, a specific amount of time just so that he can put all of that money into an ISA and then make a profit on it. So when you think about that, why wouldn't you not do that when that's exactly what the creditors are out there doing with your money? They're putting that money away and they're making a profit on it. And if you look at your annual percentage rate on your credit cards, uh, that's much different than the interest rate that they're charging you. And you'll be surprised when you go out and you buy a hat or a blender or a set of um, cooking utensils for the kitchen, something really nice. You may think you're paying $350 or $600 for the set, when in reality, you may be paying two and a half times that when you think about the annual percentage rate if you don't pay that card off. Now, if he gets a cash incentive to uh, sign up for anything, he'll sign up. He never buys a piece of tech or even clothing without taking one of the older items to sell and thereby offset that cost. Now, something else to note is that if you have a dream of a wealthy future, then you might need to be okay with living a little simpler for a while in order to get there. Now, this is where the true grit comes in. And there's a book out right now entitled Grit. But very rarely is the application really made to real life. We think that it's only something within us that we have to overcome or adjust uh, or uh, measure up to. But in reality, grit in this case has to do with dealing with peer pressure. And we don't think about peer pressure and how it can move you into poverty if you're not careful. So that doesn't matter what level you are on. If you are in a $5 million, $7 million home and you are still trying to keep up with the Joneses, then peer pressure is very real for you. And you may need to cut it back a little bit in order to make sure that your portfolio stays solid and that your investments for the future can be solid. So you need to put the work in now to reap the rewards in the, to reap the, rewards in the future. And this is hard because it, it often, once again, means forgetting the conventional, conventional signals of wealth and success. You have to do this for you and not be worried about what others might think. So, for example, if you want to someday have a beautiful home, one of the very best things you can do is to live with your parents 
if they will let you. Now, I can see some people's eyebrows going up at this time. And, you know, if you're, if you're into the 1935, 1945 movies, then there would be a gasp. Are you kidding me? Move in with my parents. How am I going to move in with my parents? No, uh, I'm not trying to be unrealistic. If you are past the age where moving into your parents is viable, then no, we have to use some of the other options. But let me tell you something I told my children, and I have two daughters. After looking at the system of things and how it works, and the fact that you have to be in the game in order to survive, in order to lower your uh, yearly uh, taxable income, you have to be in the game. Now, either you can go into the game initially and you can struggle to get into the game, you know, building the wealth and, and working 40 and 60 hours a week in order to have a little bit extra after you pay for wherever you're going to live, or you can stay right here at home and we can sit down over a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or Pepsi or whatever you like. And we can talk about exactly how to get you into this market in the most efficient way possible. So I told my daughters, the fact that I am a, a, a father, I told my daughters, do not rush to move out of this home the minute you are 18. That is something that is a part of society. But when you look at the most prosperous uh, um, cultures and the most prosperous people in the world today, many of them start with a leg up. Stay home. If you're going to stay home, just respect the household, work as hard as you can, put your money away, and then enter. 